So welcome back to another episode of techtalk.travel. Today's guest is Robin Rossman from STR. And Robin's the managing director of STR here in, in London, based out of London, for the UK and EMEA, if I'm correct. For everything outside North America. Everything outside North America, fantastic. Yeah. So Robin, it's great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Um, let's get straight into it. From I'd like to get started by understanding a little bit about your background and your hotel experience and how you transitioned from your experience into where you are today. So talk us, talk us a little bit about what your uh, hospitality experience is in relation to where you are today and how that transition came through. And what was it about the industry that inspired you to actually to focus on this side of the, of the equation, if you like, as opposed to being perhaps on from a technology vendor perspective or from the operational side? Yeah, uh, thanks Andrew. Uh, so, uh, that's a tough from the accent, I grew up in South Africa. Yeah. Uh, and I actually originally trained uh, in finance. Uh, joined uh, Deloitte uh, about 16 years ago uh, in South Africa in Cape Town and uh, I was very keen back then. Uh, and as, uh, as most millennials I think was um, very passionate and still am very passionate about uh, corporate social responsibility and sustainability. Okay. Uh, and I remember very clearly the couple of weeks running up to starting my first job at Deloitte. I was doing a lot of research uh, and was all prepped. And the first day of the office, I went into the managing partner's office and I said, yeah, my name's Robin. Uh, I'm just here to tell you I'm incredibly passionate about sustainability and corporate social responsibility. Um, so if there's anything I can help you with there, let me know. Okay. Uh, and this was 16 years ago. It was quite new back then. And so Rob was his name, and he was very honest. He said, Rob, Robin, um, I'm afraid there's no money in that at the moment. Um, but I, I do have to write an article about um, sustainable tourism uh, for Deloitte in the UK. And uh, if you'd like to write that for me, then um, you're welcome to. Okay. So uh, I did. Uh, and I started researching that. Um, that got me into, uh, you know, focusing on the, the hotel industry and the tourism industry. Uh, he specialised in that sector. Uh, I must have done a pretty good job because after that he got me involved with everything that he did. Mm -hmm. And the rest is really history. Okay. Um, and you know, in hindsight, if you look at the industries that really can make a big difference in that area, you know, tourism and hospitality is, is one of the really big ones. Yeah from an environmental and from a social perspective. Yeah, yeah, good, good. And for those of us in the audience that don't know who STR is, could you give us maybe just a two minute overview of, of, the, of what it is that you guys do and, and where your focus is? Yeah, uh, I'd say the best way uh, to describe STR is the, uh, the source of truth okay. uh, for both uh, hotel operators, uh, people running hotels, and also hotel investors mm -hmm. to really help uh, them understand how their hotel is performing versus the market or their competitors, uh, and it helps investors understand and evaluate whether or not to invest in new hotels, buy sub-hotels, and really that all is underpinned by us collecting actual performance data uh, from hotels around the world. So we have 58,000 hotels that work with us and give us data every day, week, month, um, and we collect that data, aggregate it, and then share that back to the people that participate with us and investors in the market, always aggregated to maintain confidentiality. Interesting, very good. So let's get straight into some, some meaty stuff. Um, 
with the top end of the market, the Marriott's, the Hilton's, the ISG's of the world, there's a lot of, um, well, they're, they're not necessarily a lot, but there has been recent acquisitions. For example, Marriott's acquisition. A lot of consolidation. Style. Exactly right. And it's not just on the operations side, it's actually happening on the technology side as well. But I'd like to try to pick your brain a little bit about what your thoughts are, especially around the MI and Starwood acquisition. That now gives Marriott a total of about 30 brands globally yep. in their portfolio. Yep. And in some areas, some people would probably say that they're competing against themselves. Do you, do you see it that way? And, is, and if they are, do you see it that as, a, as a healthy environment? Is there a future there? Um, what, what would be your perspective on, on that type of um, situation? And how do you see Marriott moving forward uh, in that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it was clearly one of the biggest things for the industry uh, this year. Mm. Uh, and um, I look at it from three angles. Uh, it's the angle, Marriott's angle, uh, then there's the uh, hotel investors angle, mm -hmm. and then there's the actual customer angle. Mm -hmm. um, and what does it mean for, for each of those groups of people? And, you know, for Marriott, uh, if you listen to Arnie um, and what Marriott put out, the, the message is very clear uh, and very simple. It's about scale. It's about scale uh, and recognition of their, their brands, scale of their loyalty program, scale of their ability to negotiate with the likes of the OTAs. Uh, and it's hard to it's hard to argue against that rationale. In fact, in hindsight, it was so brilliantly simple, you wondered why nobody saw it coming, because nobody did. Uh, if you think about the customer, the second angle, um, you know, the, I think you said there's it 30 brands too, too, too many. Uh, and I think the best answer I've heard to this actually came from a guy called Alex Kirikides, uh, who's uh, president for Marriott uh, in Middle East and Africa, and he was challenged with this question um, in a conference uh, a couple of months back. And uh, you know, his response was, sorry, are you confused? Uh, have you seen how the marketplace has been disrupted by OTAs that offer uh, guests unlimited choice in terms of brands uh, and locations? And you're telling me that it's a bad idea to offer our consumers more brands and more choice? You know, clearly it's not. Yes, it does create some confusion, but I think ultimately they're relying on the, uh, the loyalty scheme to underpin the, uh, the guest retention. And that's really the brand that they're focusing on. I think the individual hotel brands are less relevant, it's about distribution and loyalty scheme. Right, right. And I think that I, makes sense for Marriott and I yeah. think it makes sense for consumers. Sure, sure. I totally agree on that perspective. But from a from a, a brand perspective, from an operator's perspective, for example, if you're a courtyard and you're in a small small city, for example, you've got to compete against your other, other hotels within the same portfolio and chain. How I mean there must be a slight dynamic in there that they think wow how am I going to do this? Yeah, well, that, I mean, that is the third bucket that I was talking about, the hotel investors, yeah. because, you know, at the end of the day, if, if you are a, um, somebody owning a Marriott hotel in the courtyard and all of a sudden you get an aloft sat next to you, mm. uh, essentially coming with the, uh, the same distribution power being shared between the two of you, then mm. I imagine that could certainly raise uh, mm. some challenges, uh, and I'm sure Marriott have been, been getting challenges mm. on that. And mm. you know, I'd say at the end of the day, um, it's a very big market. It's still very fragmented, mm. uh, and um, clearly Marriott have looked at the positives and the negatives for both themselves and their, their clients, which are the hotel owners, and taken the view that ultimately scale is more important for everyone as a whole. And I think that's probably the right answer. There will always be winners and losers. Yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah. 
Um, it's probably what the industry needed, to be honest, to really uh, compete against disrupting forces. Right, right. Okay, good. Um, I mean, it's interesting because I, I do know in some Asian cities that uh, there are certain owners that have a monopoly, if you like, and that actually do say very clearly to the operators or the chains, okay, you're not allowed to open another branded property within X radius of my hotel. Yeah. And they have to abide by that, as if it's written in their contracts, then they're actually quite rigid about that. So it's, this is why I'm kind of curious to get your take on it, because I'm sure it does play a, a, a different role, location to location. Here in Europe, it may be slightly different versus certain Asian cities, for example. So yeah. It's interesting. Just sticking on Marriott, for example, now, and coming on a little bit to Hilton, another, I find, contentious point around the discussion with the, their CEOs is Airbnb and their perhaps reluctance to refuse publicly that they're a, um, a competitor to the industry and to their space. And again, I'd like your opinion on that one because um, if you talk with people on the street and the, the punter, they're very much saying it's a definite competitor. I speak with hoteliers quite a lot and I ask them that question. You're in an area, a high density area, uh, you're competing against other hotels but also Airbnb. Would you agree with that? And they say absolutely. So why is it that from the hotel's perspective they say one thing, yet from the corporate side of the industry they're really denying the fact that Airbnb is a competitor? Uh, yeah, I mean it is uh, one of the key topics everybody is, yes. is talking about. I think the the best way to understand the difference in those points of view uh, is uh, is to start with some some numbers because mm -hmm. uh, I like numbers mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know some recent analysis we've been doing I think is quite compelling uh, and that's let's just take Europe as an example you could apply this to most regions in the world uh, you take Europe back uh, 2008 uh, before the Great Recession, before the crash, the absolute peak of the market. Uh, and you look at occupancies across Europe, September year to date, there were about 64%. Okay. Uh, fast forward, nine years later, September 2017 year to date, there's been a recession, right? a, the, the Great Recession, which we all know took a very long time to come out of. Uh, there's been numerous terrorist attacks across uh, Europe which must be causing people to think twice about travel. Uh, there has been the arrival of peer-to-peer -peer, um, uh, rentals, yep. yeah, the likes of Airbnb, yep. huge growth in, in, in that market. Yep. Uh, there's been all of these things, and there's been growth in supply of the hotel market. All these things, and yet somehow hotel occupancies are now 10% higher than they were at the previous peak. Yeah. So you ask me why why are the hotel groups not publicly saying that they're a competitor? Well, they're probably looking at their own data and saying, well, I don't see me losing any market share. The overall size of the tourism market and growth in tourism demand is growing fast enough to more than offset all of those factors. You know, occupancies are 10% higher than they were. Um, and so, you know, that's I would say from a data perspective, one of the reasons that they're saying that. Um, you know, we've actually done some analysis, uh, we did at the beginning of this year, beginning of 2017, Airbnb gave us their actual performance data. So this isn't scraped data, yep. this is real hard performance data for 13 major global gateway cities. Mm. 
and, and they gave us that historically. So we were able to take that data, overlay it against the hotel um, market data that we capture, and yeah. some really interesting insights came out of that. Mm. I'd say the first one is this. Um, firstly, from a total global picture, right? If you looked at Airbnb's listings, there were about three million listings. Mm -hmm. right? But if you really looked at the listings that compete against hotels, uh, that would be removing anything where you have to share a bathroom, uh, anything where you have to share a living space, um, and any sort of single rooms. Um, you take all those out, there's only about a million listings. Still a lot, mm -hmm. but a million listings, just uh, as a bit of context, is the same as married Starwood. Mm -hmm. Married Starwood about 1.1 million. Mm -hmm. um, so it's still only as big as the biggest uh, competitor in the hotel sector, and Marriott, even though it is 1.1 million rooms, is less than 10% of the market. Mm. Um, and if you take that down to a micro level, something like London, where Airbnb is big in London, um, uh, the Airbnb accounts for about 10% of the available room nights. Uh, if you look back to the full year of 2016, 10% of available room nights. But they don't achieve occupancies as high as hotels. Their occupancies tend to be 50 to 60% of hotels. Mm. So they only account about 6% of sold room nights. Uh, and then they don't charge as much as hotels. Mm. So there's a rate discount too. Mm. And if you apply that, Airbnb was only taking about 3 to 4% of total paid accommodation revenues for London, mm. even as big as it was. So I would say that's a long way of me saying I think. Nobody can deny that Airbnb and other um, private rentals must compete for some portion of hotel demand. They must, because mm -hmm. I personally have mm -hmm. used Airbnb, um, and in many cases they provide a better solution. Um, but the travel market's growing, uh, there's increased regulation on Airbnb, and so far still, um, the rate at which Airbnb grows has grown, and other rental companies like that has not been at a rate which it's caused hotels to suffer performance declines. Okay. Um, and I think one of the big stories behind that is ultimately, you know, similar to the Uber mm -hmm. story, is it's, it's making the pie bigger. Mm. It's increasing the supply that's there uh, and making it more affordable and easier for people to travel that might, not, might otherwise not. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah. Long answer, no, 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 that's, question. That's, that's very good. I mean, again, though, with... Um, the future of Airbnb, I'm, I'm really watching them very carefully, not carefully, but interesting, interestedly, because um, I also read recently that they're planning to actually go into bricks and mortar now. Have you also read that? There was a Skift article not long ago whereby in Orlando they've purchased a, a building where they're going to create their own bricks and mortar property. That I, find, I found was a very interesting perspective and move because I think for me that says, right, we're going directly ahead now with competing against perhaps the, the top end of the market in terms of real estate, let's say real estate. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I've not seen that. I, it doesn't surprise me. It, no. It I mean, at the end of the day, when you're sitting on this wealth of uh, consumer data uh, and uh, this, you know, I think one of their, their hidden secrets that probably isn't fully visible yet is their ability to collect much more personal data about their guests than really hotels can practically do. Um, uh, and the ability to use that data and that client base to understand where it would make sense to you know, go vertically up and down uh, the, the chain, uh, whether that be 
you know, distribution or owning bricks and mortar. So, yeah. I mean, that yeah. doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And, and, and Admittedly, it is a test, if yeah. you like. It's a like a pilot for them, they're calling it. They didn't use that terminology, but I'll be very interested to see how that plays out and the way that, that develops with Airbnb. I think the more interesting thing to look out for is whether or not Airbnb ends up being uh, competed against more significantly by the OTAs. Did that as well as also the hotels? Because historically the hotels have been very, um, let's say, dismissive of Airbnb to the point where they don't really want to deal with it, where they go, we don't know how to handle this. How do we deal with this? Yep. And um, I've also read recently a very, one of my idols, if you like, in the industry is a gentleman by the name of Ian Schrager. His approach to this whole thing is, well, we're going to create a hotel now in New York, and it's going to be a basic property, and we're going to go directly head to head with Airbnb with this type of product. And I think to myself, fantastic. Someone's finally in the industry taking the bull by the horns and saying, let's just go ahead with it and go head to head. Let's take them, let's play ball. Yeah. Yet so many hotels in the past have just been rather whining about it and complaining. And it's happened with Uber as well in the taxi space. And, and actually they've, they've had a lot more uh, negative impact from countries that haven't allowed them into their space. So um, how do you see that from the hotelier's perspective? Because I think, I love the fact that they're finally attacking back, they're playing back. And I think that's really the approach that we need, they need to take moving forward. And I hope that that filters through um, to the lower end of the market as well, the independents and the smaller groups in China, not just from the larger side. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, um, I'm sure that, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, Airbnb is just a distribution channel. Yeah, uh, and exactly. I can see many scenarios in which their, their business model changes to potentially include hotels. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think um, yeah, it, is, it is up to the hotels to, to, to have strategies to address that threat. And if, if there is a, a wish that Airbnb is going to go away and, and others like it, then I think that would be um, a very dangerous approach to take. Because at the end of the day, people don't realize this, but it's actually in most cases in government's interest to support them. You get a tax break mm. in the UK mm. for renting out your apartments. Mm. Mm. Um, you look at countries like Iceland, and um, which has got one of the highest uh, ratios of uh, Airbnb stock to, to, to traditional hotel stock. And you know, the reason for that is nobody's built any hotels in Iceland, yeah. hardly any hotels in Iceland for a decade since the financial crisis there. Cause Funding isn't there, and the people investing them, and yet tourist tourism demand has skyrocketed as a stopover for, for the U.S. And so, it, the private sector and private individuals are taking over and supplying uh, accommodation to the tourists, and tourism is a very important um, uh, demand driver for the economy as a whole. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I, I do think there needs to be more regulation so that consumers are kept safe uh, and that there's a, a fair tax regime. Um, but um, you know, if the money is there to be made, then I'm sure what will end up happening is the regulators and, and the, the, the companies themselves will get on the right path. Good, good. Okay, let's talk a little bit about uh, China. I'd like to touch a little bit on the outbound traveller and um, the influ influence that that's beginning to have on the Western world. Because the, traditionally, the, the Chinese traveller has been a group traveller. 
mainly inbound, but also some outbound, but around uh, Asia, Southeast Asia. There's a shift happening there now. They're becoming younger, wealthier, they've got better jobs, they've got a higher income, they're better educated, and they're, they're looking for more authenticity when they travel. I'm interested in your take in terms of the market here and how well they're preparing themselves for the future influx of the, the Chinese outbound traffic, because that number is only going to continue to rise. And I mean, apart from just having a Chinese breakfast and perhaps offering a Mandarin-speaking concierge, what else can hotels or, or even not just hotels, but let's just say certain areas or, or, or cities do to prepare themselves for the influx that's coming because it's definitely going to come. Yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of preparedness currently, I'd say uh, it's almost, I've not seen many groups or hotels really being that prepared. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't, it's not that surprising at the end of the day if you look at tourism in Europe. It's mostly intra-regional, intra-Europe tourism. I, mean, I think something like 80% of um, tourist nights are from intra-European. Uh, and I don't know the exact number, a proportion of Chinese inbound, but it's below 5%. I think it's 3 4%. So it's still a very small portion of overall tourist demand. And, you know, when, you, when you've been in a market like we have been in our currently where hotels aren't having to go out and really search for mm. demand. Mm. It is coming to them, occupancies mm. are at all-time highs and you know, hotels are doing well. Um, then you're not forced to go and you know, really be clever about sourcing that demand. So I don't think there's much, I've not seen a lot of that out there. Um, I actually think this is one area in terms of how to become prepared in the future. It's one area where um, technology must be able to play a huge part, both on the uh, distribution side, so making sure that you're on the, the platforms where people book and buy in, in China, um, they're very different to the rest of the world, uh, and then also using technology to help provide a you know, differentiated and localized service to, to those guests. Now, what that technology looks like? not my area of expertise, but I could definitely see that being... Yeah. Um, well, I mean, a lot of them are using an ecosystem called WeChat to yep. do all of their, their travel arrangements with, if you like. I mean, it's, it's an entire um, economic system there. They pay for everything through the app and they yep. integrate everything through it. Um, and that's, again, I think from a hotelier's perspective here in the West, they, they need to be very aware of WeChat. And um, I understand it's not your expertise, but the, the, from, from a hotelier's perspective, if I was a hotelier, I would really start to look into researching how I can have presence on that platform. And well, as a business, we're looking at how to get WeChat yeah. as a payment method at the moment. Yeah. So. Well, and that's the other piece as well. The payment method is also very important. There's only one company that I know of here in Europe that offers WeChat Pay and Alibaba Pay, and that's a company out of, um, out of Cologne, actually, in Germany. Um, but the fact that there is one doing that now, I think it's a good thing because it's going to be a ripple effect. Others will see the value, and again, as the numbers come, yep. there'll be the demand for it. Um, but from, a, from a, a, a property perspective, they need to make sure that they're on the platform in front of the booker in China and that they're, <laughs> it's, it's very much a numbers game. Just like they have to play with the, the, the metas here and, and make sure their rankings yeah. uh, are showing as they need here. It's, their shift has to be to that market.
if your product isn't on the shelf, then you're going to sell it. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Very good. Okay, one last question. We're we're a little bit out of time. One one last other question. From a, a person coming into, in, into this industry, in the hotel industry, what would be some of your advice to a person that would want to focus on the type of work that you do? So say they've studied hotel management, could they necessarily transition into a type of role like yourself or would they have to go and study finance? What would be the right type of um, direction or, or career path that a person could take? Yeah, I'd say there's, there's no prerequisite on background. Um, yeah, I think that there's multiple different ways to have a successful career. Uh, the number one requirement, though, is whether or not you're starting at a, you know, a major established company or a small startup. Is when you start, you have to work your ass off, uh, and you have to um, never complain about being given an incredibly dull job yeah. uh, or something that you think is inconsequential. Because it's only once you've proved yourself to be trustworthy and reliable and on it when it comes to the simple stuff that you get given responsibility for more complex things. Uh, and uh, you will be very surprised at how quickly you can elevate what you do by just making sure whatever you do, you do it to the very best of your ability. So that'd be the one thing I'd say. Uh, and the other thing I'd say is this is really important, just because nobody else has done it, or just because somebody else has tried and they haven't got something right, never believe that that means that it can't be done or you can't do it. Um, the, the world in particular our industry, and particularly in the technology space, um, is filled with loads of opportunity that hasn't been taken just because nobody's really taken the initiative to do it yet. Um, that applies in the technology space and it also applies actually in the operations space. You know, the amount of really inspirational new startups I've seen that have boutique products uh, that have been started by relatively young people, independent people. You look at things like 24 Hours Hotels, you look at Ruby Hotels, you know, these are just really cool products that people have a niche of something they really believe in and they just do it better than the big groups yeah. uh, and there's uh, you can make returns on them so I'd say it's a great it's a great 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 industry it is isn't it yeah. there's great people in it yeah very um, true and if you work hard you there's so much opportunity yeah good very good Robin Thanks very much. Great to have you on the show. Appreciate you coming in. Absolutely. Pleasure. Thank you. So if you enjoyed this, folks, uh, please make sure you hit subscribe and hit the bell notification next to subscribe so that you get the emails every time we release a new video. And uh, make sure you tune in to the next show. Thanks very much for watching. Bye for now. We were broke. Using friends as alibis, no one ever knew just where we go.